0: this is a fourth hand production
1: and uh, he saw something come out of the ground at dugway it was like it was like uh, the ground opened up you know almost like a james bond you know coming out of the lake or coming out of the crater of the volcano
2: dun, dun, dun. Yeah, something <laughs>
1: something huge flip, you know, came out you know came out of the ground he didn't say he didn't say he saw anything because he didn't, you know, he didn't want them to force his airplane down and have him go through a, uh, a cleansing process, if you want to call mm-hmm, it that.
3: Mm-hmm. Story in the news today. You believe in ghosts and the paranormal? Are they are they UFOs or are they like some crazy experimental you know governmental I don't know uh, planes that
0: they're building.
4: And police in Espanola are catching more than just criminals. They're catching images of what they believe are ghosts.
2: There's this weird
5: animal-like creature that was shot, wolf-like creature that just stood out in some odd ways. Welcome to Strange Uncles. I'm Shane.
0: And I'm John. And I'm
5: Josh. So, secret. Whisper in my ear.
3: Thanks. (laughs) Welcome welcome back. Depending on the order that these air, hey, strangers, I've been ill. And uh, I missed some time, but I'm back. Oh,
5: well, there you go. Yeah, we'll see how they. Are they air? (laughs) We're not sure. We just talked about that. So I don't know if that's going to fuck everything up.
3: This might be in reverse. Yeah. Yeah, That's right. Hey, welcome back. What the fuck are you guys talking about? Yeah. (laughs) Right.
5: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) you guys really got your shit together over, don't you? Oh yeah. Fucking as always, it's a, it's a finely tuned machine over here.
3: Professional amateurs.
5: (laughs) Exactly. Well, I'm glad you're better because you sounded like shit there for a while. So
3: dude, uh, yeah, that was not fun.
5: Yeah, no, I get it for sure. Um, so I'm. We've actually got a long episode. So I don't know if we're going to get too much into it. I do want to say that just I. I don't want to sound negative, but god damn it, when you buy something new, like literally it's under warranty, it brand new, month and a half old, it was a range, it went tits up, can't use a, the dual oven is gone, the board has gone, something in it, so it's under warranty. It took three technicians and almost two months and four different sets of parts. To get said range replaced, in this day and age, I'm just fucking floored that that's the case. But maybe that's Dude, just me being has pissed a off.
3: Computer in it now, so you can't just be like a technician. You gotta also be a computer scientist.
5: Yeah, but it's just a board. It, it just anyway. Yeah, we finally got it fixed. You know. So the wife and I are like, is it weird that we don't live like this is a first world country, and we're like, oh my god, we want to bake like chicken so bad, but we can't use oven. <laughs> is that a problem? <laughs> So. Don't
3: you know about uh, the chip shortage?
5: Shit? Yeah, evidently I didn't. I was not aware of such chip shortage. But here we are. So anyway, but uh, no, Josh, glad you're well. Um, John, glad you're on board. Uh, so if you guys don't mind, unless you got anything to it, we've got kind of a long interview. We don't want to kind of you know go into the details on on shooting shit. Um, yeah, it's just
0: a. Uh, Get yeah into it. yeah get
5: into it for sure yeah exactly yeah, no one gives a shit anyway. yeah we got Darcy Ware back on and he has a guest is pretty amazing um you guys know Darcy Ware he's been on a couple times before we'll cover that in the intro but um you know it was phenomenal talk this is right up our alley full of questions and I feel it could have gone a lot more but you know it just you know because time allows you know whatever it yeah. is but um yeah you guys should enjoy this um this is with Darcy Ware and James C. Goodall open the gates So we are excited to have back on the show a documentarian that we have had on before, and every time he agrees to come back on, he has yet a new documentary under his belt. Originally, we had him on to discuss a documentary Sasquatch Among Wildmen in Season 4. Then he came back on to discuss the film Who Saw the Men of Black in Season 5. Now he has returned to talk about his latest documentary, Secret Space UFOs, Rise of the TR-3B. This film dives into the history of the infamous Black Triangle, UFOs that have been seen around the world, and ventures to ask, where do these come from? Are they possibly ours built to perform secret space missions? And who exactly knows the history behind the TR-3Bs? Joining them as well is James C. Goodall. James is a published author with 24 books in print and is a recognized expert in low observable aircrafts and possible non-human UFO sightings. James brings a wealth of knowledge to this subject, and not only is he known for the history of spooky classified airplanes, quote, but has extensive knowledge on flight tests performed at the infamous Area 51, among other things underneath his belt, which is amazing. So it's a pleasure to have Darcy back on and Mr. Goodall with him. Darcy and James, welcome to Strange Uncles.
2: Why did you be here. Yeah, super happy to be back, guys. Yeah, thank you for coming again. Yeah.
5: yeah, again, no, absolutely. So first off, I guess, you know, and, and not to, you know, Jim, you, we're going to get to you because you have a wealth of things. I guess, Darcy, we want to start with you a little bit on, on, and, you know, we're not kidding. It seems like you, <laughs> I don't know what your time looks like, man, but you have something going on all the time with uh, documentaries and s- subjects and topics. And, uh, you know, I know last time we talked, you had a couple things in the fire. Um, This one just wrapped up how compared to all the other ones you've had in the past. How were we looking on on this research project
1: for you?
2: Well, uh, you know, I actually started shooting some of the stuff that's in this documentary uh, back in 2013. And I was living in Australia at the time. And um, I interviewed some guys living in the outback that were recording uh, triangles that were flying around. In the night sky, you know, in the outback, it's a beautiful um, night with almost zero light pollution. So, when I uh, met with this guy, Damien Knott, uh, you know, he showed me his footage and allowed me to interview him and his mates that have been catch capturing this whole phenomenon out there. And um, yeah, I, I think, you know, I've been recording and interviewing people for a long time now since 2009 Mm -hmm. and um it's i'm trying to make better and better stories and and you know introduce people to subjects in bigger and better ways so this doc um has a bit of my research from all the way back in 2013 and i interviewed um tyler glockner uh Last year, in Richard Dolan in his home, and I also flew out to Tucson, Arizona, and interviewed Jim Goodall in his very own home. So, uh, lots cool. of new stuff in this doc, uh, but we tried to cover as much as we could about the infamous TR three B.
0: Yeah, I thought you guys did a pretty uh, good job at that too. Especially for me, I've never really looked too heavily into the tr3b i've i've heard about it obviously you know kind of being enveloped in the subject but uh i thought kind of being from newcomer i watched it today by the way so that's why i'm saying that is uh, i thought you did a pretty good job of covering the history and kind of why this makes sense is that this could be possible Mm man-made object in some instances
2: Mm -hmm. yeah um i think there's pretty good evidence that we're you know we were on our we were on the right track to building all kinds of flying triangles you know and technically the b2 bomber and the f-117 from underneath look like flying triangles but the difference between those aircraft and you might have noticed in the documentary um and what people have been reporting from you know The late 1970s to even uh, today, when they see these, what some would describe as a TR-3B or something like it, it is hovering silently or flying over top of their neighborhood, absolutely quiet. And if if a B-2 bomber flies over top of your head or a F-117, you're going to feel it and you're going to hear it. You're going to know it. Those are loud machines. So um, pretty much... You know, that that puts the argument to bed if you're trying to say, oh, well, you're just seeing uh, your typical jet fuel craft, right? Mm-hmm. But you're misidentifying mm-hmm. it. And um, the whole point of the story of the TR-3B is that this is a anti-gravitic craft. This is something that has gone into a deep black manufacturing process where you know, not even the smallest secret of it would be open to the public. And uh, it kind of hit the scene. The story of it hit the scene in the early 90s when Edgar uh, Rothschild Fouché was doing the the tours at these UFO conferences. And he brought, you know, full on schematics of what the uh, aircraft looked like, um, or I guess you would say spacecraft, how it worked. And a lot of the things he said about it back then, metamaterials, um, you know, quasi crystals um, and uh, rotating, he said, uh, superfluid um, superconductors, like basically are um, anti-gravitic engine to it. Hmm. All that stuff, like the rotating superconductors, metamaterials and quasi crystals are all in the public now. Like they're actually real things that many different uh, scientists have proven to exist. So it's kind of, you know, if you look at the Bob Lazar story, his story took off originally because he said, you know, this machine runs on, um, these gravity amplifiers, they sort of, it creates its own, um, gra- gravitational wave and it rides on it. And they're like, how is it powered? And he said, it's powered with element 115. Now, right. some people, um, yeah. some people went, uh, you know, uh, you can look at, uh, public scientific journals and stuff now, and element 115 has been found you can't synthesize more than like a micron of it. But it's interesting that that actually manifested out in actual, the actual scientific mainstream scientific arena, you know, mm-hmm. and the same sort of things have happened with Edgar Roth, child Roush Foucher's um, comments on the TR3B and how it was made, what it was, uh, you know, able to do and the types of, uh, you know, uh, form and function and build that it had, um, in terms of science has manifested itself. And I, I found that very interesting.
5: Well, it's, it's crazy because, you know, I think Bob Well, number one, Bob's poo poo by a lot of people, but I think just the whole element that he brought up and everything, you know, completely dismissed. Um, I have a question, I think mainly for our listeners, and this is to either one of you, Darcy, Jim at all, but, uh, TR3B, that whole nomenclature, where'd that come into play at when we start classifying this type of aircraft?
2: Sure. So, um, you know, just pretty straightforward. We do have, um, schematics and rumors that the TR3A was built by Northrop Grummond, uh, which is a competitor to Lockheed Martin's skunk works. Mm-hmm. And that supposedly had its Flight time during the Gulf War. It had a laser targeting system that aided the bombers in deploying um smart bombs. And that supposedly ran on jet fuel. Hmm. Now TR stands for tactical reconnaissance, possibly. I mean F-117 is, you know, F is fighter, uh B2 bomber, B is bomber. Right. So it could be TR3B, meaning like it's the next iteration of this triangular, you know, super sp- spy attack craft that can do reconnaissance as well.
5: Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Um, I, I don't know, John, Josh, if you have any questions, I kind of want to dig into Jim a bit if you don't mind. Sure, so
1: everybody
5: else does. <laughs> including Eric's <York's> wives, evidently. <laughs> so,
1: um,
5: I guess your history, you know, that's one of the things. You're involved in this documentary, uh, you know, like we said in the intro, 24, well, 25 now, I think, after updating, you know, the books you've read, the, the history, the research you have. Um, where, how did this get you involved in this whole spooky aircraft, unidentified, you know, UAPs out there? What
1: did that look like for you? Well, you know, my interest in spooky airplanes or just airplanes in general started when I was just a kid.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, the um, I, grew, I grew up in I, beginning of my life, I grew up in San Jose. My dad was a professor at uh, San Jose State and uh, I was about five years old. and My dad came into the bedroom and he said, I don't know what's coming, but you got to go out and see it. It was still light out. And over the coast mountains we're not one, not two, but twenty four condor b thirty sixes oh wow, that's that ten engine two hundred and sixty foot wingspan monster. there's one here at Pima at the uh, Pima Air and Space Museum, but there's twenty four of them mm. so f- fast forward to um, about ten or eleven, my best friend's dad was base commander at Moffett Field Naval Air Station, and we were always referred to as Captain Smith's son and that friend of his
4: <laughs>
1: and I was in. I was over there one, you know, one, uh, one day, and, and Danny said, "Hey, there's there's something really, really cool in the big hangar." So we jumped on our bicycles, and everybody knew us. We didn't ru- we didn't ride our bikes on the taxiways, and we didn't ride our bikes on the runway, of course. Mm-hmm. But we pretty much had a, the run of the base, and so so we were we, we were we were hiding in plain sight. We were visible. We weren't trying to, but we just sort of became invisible. And at the north end of uh, hangar one was a uh, area was cordoned off, big black curtains. It just said, K- keep out. It didn't say use of deadly force authorized or classified. It just said, keep out. So uh, Danny motioned, uh, hey, let's, let's, go, let's go behind the curtain. And we went behind the curtain, and there, sitting in its all its glory, was a, the number one XF-104 starfighter. Oh, it was still shit. classified secret. And it was at the, uh, it wasn't, it was NACA back then. It wasn't NASA yet. And it was at the uh, Ames uh, wind tunnel complex there at Moffett field. Hmm. So, you know, walking around it. I mean, it's shiny. It is brand new. I don't think even had fingerprints on it from people drooling on it and touching it. (laughs) But Danny said, Hey, get in the cockpit. Okay. So he opens the canopy. I get inside, I close the canopy I mean there were, you we know, about two minutes. see I started to get a little bit not claustrophobic, but uh, a certain level of anxiety if, there's, sure. if we were to get caught. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I couldn't open the canopy. The latch mechanism malfunctioned. So we had to call the marines and security police oh my and, God, you know, find some maintenance guy who could help me get out of the cockpit. And we got we. I got my butt chewed. It still hurts today. You know, you know <laughs> sixty some odd years later, almost seventy years later. So, that was the beginning of my love affair with Lockheed Skunk Works airplanes, and that's the reason I joined the Air Force. Hmm. I wanted I wanted to see airplanes. So, fast forward to uh, March tenth, nineteen sixty four. I'm an eighteen year old E two. I'm on the uh, I'm on the flight line there at Edwards, getting ready to take a shuttle flight uh, to Hawthorne there in, in, in the LA area, mm-hmm. and uh, I heard a roar coming from the test pad, the XB seventy test pad uh, down the down the flight line. So I went running down the taxiway and I looked towards the the what was the new hangar, which is uh, tower, and uh, there I thought at first was wasn't the X fifteen rocket. You know, NASA rocket. Right, right. Plane. And uh, but people were too small. And about that time, they say, hey, we're loading the airplane. And it was a it was a uh, Italian. It was a Piaggio. It was a gullwing it was pusher props on it. So we load up. We take off right over Rogers Dry Lake. And we came down and we banked over this Blackbird, this black airplane that had already shut down the uh, engines and they were towing a C-130 along the taxiway. This thing is off, off, off to one side. So you can see the relative size. I saw I saw this Blackbird. I looked down, and I could not believe my eyes. The world hadn't seen it. Mm-hmm. And here's this 103-foot-long, 58-foot wingspan, this black, sinister-looking Buck Rogers airplane. Right out of sci-fi. Literally oh, at that time. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So I was, uh, I was off uh, the rest of the week. That was a Tuesday. And I didn't come back until the following Monday. When I came into the section on Monday, they gave me my work orders. It was to go to the Lockheed Hangar. And I walked into the, uh, back of, through the back of the hangar into the hangar area, and I was looking at the rear end of two YF-12 interceptors, two Blackbirds. Hmm. And I've never been the same. So I started, you know, I, I had to wait till I was out of the service. Uh, but in 68, I wrote, some, uh, wrote letters to Lockheed, Department of Defense, CIA, and uh, Secretary of the Air Force asking, and I was going to pay the published price. I wanted a half a dozen or more color 8x10s in the air mm-hmm. of the Blackbird. Mm-hmm. They, their official policy was not to cooperate. Of course. So yeah. because they wouldn't co- cooperate, I started digging, the more i dug the deep. You know, the more i dug the more i found out the more i found out the deeper i dug and after doing this since 1968 today is 2022 um i have been doing it almost on a regular basis since then and i have a, i've amassed about you know about 25 to 30,000 photos of the blackbird inside taken it apart i've moved uh i've moved one i've dismantled two and I've helped hmm. you know restore three of them so and and all of them all three of them were different. I had an A 12, I had an SR 71C that is at the Hill Aerospace Museum. I, I helped take apart 981 in August of 91. Mm-hmm.
3: I've seen that August
1: of 90, excuse me. And uh, uh and then I have the uh, you know, the YF 12 that I uh, did some stuff. Some manual real work at the Air Force Museum mm-hmm. back about thirty years ago, maybe forty years ago. So I have, uh, and I became friends with Ben Rich, the number two guy at the Skunk Works, oh. until he became the president. And for twenty-five years, Ben and I spoke to each other at least once a quarter. Mm-hmm. If I didn't call him, he called me. Oh wow! And it, I don't know how I ever got on his favorite person list, but he could be in a meeting, and I'd call, I'd call up the Skunk Works and. June, his secretary would answer the phone and say, hi there. Oh, Mr. Goodall said, just a second, I'll connect you with Mr. Rich. (laughs) And he could be an immediate, put me on speakerphone. I know there's a dozen guys in his office. Nice to have people
5: in in your back pocket, you know, when you know. Oh, gosh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So uh, when I I did my my Blackbird, my ultimate Blackbird book, and it's from Shepherd Publishing, and it's a pictorial history of of the, the Blackbird family, and I had, it's a, uh, it's 224 pages and about 800 photos. Wow. About two thirds of them have never been published. Hmm. So I put that together and uh, the number one guy at the Skunk Works today, his two favorite books are my Blackbird book and my 75 years of the Lockheed Skunk Works. That's crazy. Yeah. That, that's a, almost a 400 page book and I cover 43 different programs and it just came out in June, and I was at a uh, book signing at the Skunk Works, June third. Oh, cool! And I spent two and a half hours with the new vice president general manager, mm-hmm. uh, Jeff Babion
4: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, <laughs> I asked I asked him the question. We were we were we jumped in a limousine. and We're heading over to the U two operation there at uh, Air Force Plant forty two in Palmdale, and I looked. I mean, we're about. Two feet apart, and I look him right in the eyes. okay, Jeff. What is Lockheed Skunk Works involvement in alien UFO technology? Oh, shit. <laughs> Get it Why I mean, how else are you going to answer, <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, and I think I, I think he was telling me the truth because he didn't. Uh, he said that I have not been uh, read into any program that uses anything but our technology he said it doesn't mean it doesn't mean it wasn't developed and built and flight tested and became operational mm-hmm. before i got here and it's so compartmentalized that i don't have access to it he said it's it's not i mean it's you know my personal feeling is i don't think we're alone
4: mm-hmm.
1: i said and i'm not speaking on as as a as that's Lockheed's point of view. That's sure. He said that's my personal point of view. But on the other hand, <laughs> we have Ben Rich. You know, Ben Rich. Uh, my friend John Andrews. He since passed away. He was one of Ben's favorite people as well. And he wrote a, a letter to Ben in June of '86, and he said, uh, "Dear Ben," said I got a question. Do you believe in UFOs? Do you and Kelly Johnson believe in UFOs? Now, there's two categories, both man-made mm-hmm. and extraterrestrial. Mm-hmm. So it, it, during the same week, I mean, he sent it on Monday. I think by Thursday he got a reply handwritten on his corporate letterhead as president of the Lockheed Skunk Works. He said, uh, said uh, both Kelly and I are firm believers in both categories. We were wow. – f- we refer to ours as unfunded opportunities. And he underlines the U, the F, and the O. So, but beware, <laughs> there are people out there that lead you astray or it can possibly do you, you, know, do you harm. Hmm. So, that was, was in 86. So, fast forward to late 90s uh, or mid 90s, Ben has now retired. Mm-hmm. He retired right at uh, the, the beginning of Desert Storm. When the first f one seventeen dropped the first bomb on baghdad uh, is when he decided that was time to retire but he uh, uh he was he was just he was just a, a gold mine, and I never really had a chance to get him away from the skunk and sit down and talk with him. yeah but but at a uh it was a at u c l a it was a graduate aeronautical engineering students. Or having a, a big function, and Ben was his, his their keynote speaker. And one of the comments he made during this uh, uh, his talk, he said, "We have the ability to take ET home." Now think about that I, statement. I heard about. Yep, I heard that speech. Yeah. huh. We have uh-huh. we have the ability to take ET home, but our government won't let us make the, that stuff public. Why say that if there isn't something behind that? Why, well, why even put it pushing, out there? He felt he had to. Yeah. yeah. Uh, almost the same reason Bob Lazar went public. He felt he had to. So just be, about 10 days before uh, Ben Rich passed away, I called him. He was at USC Medical Center. He had esophageal cancer. Mm. And we were talking about, you know, my friend John Andrews and things that go bump in the night. And they finally got to the you know, near the end of the conversation. He said, Jim we have things out in the desert, not Area 51. He wasn't referring to Area 51. Mm
4: -hmm.
1: He said, we have things out in the desert that's 50 years beyond what you can comprehend. Not what you think you can make in 50 years, but what you can comprehend. And I have a pretty wild imagination, so I can comprehend a whole hell of a lot. Right. Uh, And he said, and if you've seen movies like Star Trek or Star Wars, we've been there, done that, or decided it wasn't worth the effort.
5: I'll be damned.
1: Ah. So are we, are UFOs real? I believe so. Mm -hmm. I've always felt that way. Mm -hmm. And now I have, I have another, you know, you know, know, trick in my bag of tricks. Uh, January of 89, it was about a month after the air force announced the existence of the F-117. I'm up in uh, Las Vegas visiting a dear friend of mine, John, John Lear. Mm -hmm. And John and I are heading up to Tonopah. Uh, we're going up US 95. We're just north of Scotty's Junction. You know, it was an old whorehouse that the, the government took over and ran it out of business. I don't know how you can do that.
5: <laughs> I don't know either. I mean, believe it to the run- government. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: pre- it was a tax lien and they took it over and they tried to run it. And they, ran- they literally ran it to the ground. So we were you know, about 10 or 15 it's miles north hilarious. of Scotty's Junction and an F-117 flew across the road at about a 45-degree angle Hmm. at about 1,500 feet, and I almost crashed the car. So I said, oh, my God. I mean, the world hadn't seen it other than people who who worked at Lockheed or worked at the Air Force. And so we we grabbed a quick bite there in the town of Tonopah. Then we got on US-6. We drove the 14 miles down to – we're in the middle of nowhere, by the way Mm -hmm. – and there's a big sign that said Tonopah test train. So you turn down that road and you go down 18 miles and you come to the main gate. So we we drove along the uh, North boundary of the restricted area. We're in public lands and we're just waiting and you can look down. Anybody can do it. You can look down and see the entire uh, Tonopah test range facility. Mm-hmm. And there's almost 70 hangars there. Primarily, They were for the, for the F-117s. And, uh, so we're sitting here waiting, and I this is before this is before digital cameras. I had print film, I had Kodakolor 100, and I had a Nikon with some good lenses. And we're just I'm just hoping that something's going to fly. And I look way to the north, and there's a black dot with a with a white light on the bottom, and then a small white dot with another with a a small light in, at the bottom of it as well, which was an F117 and a T38 chase. As it's getting as it's getting closer, you can see you can it's becoming more and more visible. You can you can make it out, and as it flew by me, I had my motor drive on and I went through thirty six exposures in just a short period of time. But when I when I got a good solid look at that airplane, I was like an eleven year old boy that just saw a naked woman for the first time. Hmm. I mean, my body was just vibrating. It was literally shaking. I was trembling. And I don't, I wasn't sure if I, if, for all I know, all, all 36 exposures were blurred. Yeah. I won't, I won't know until the following day. So, so I told John, Hey, let's get, let's head back to Vegas. I want to go get to a photo mat, hopefully before they close. Like now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And those those of you, those of you out there uh, who don't know what a photomat is, uh, before there were baristas and coffee, uh, uh, how you know huts and parking lots, Kodak had what they call photomat. You dropped off your print film one day, you come back the next day or whatever you know speed you wanted to do yeah, you know, yeah, to yeah. have it processed. So we had we get back to Lear's house in the north end of Las Vegas, and it's about quarter after nine. The photo mats are closed. It's at, you know, at in the evening, and he said, "Well, I have a new friend just moved here from Albuquerque. He's interviewing for a job out in the desert. Um, I think you'll enjoy him. He's, he's a nice guy." And um, well, about ten minutes after you said that, there was a knock at the door. John went and answered the front door and came into his study. And if no, if you hadn't been in John Lear's study, he doesn't. He sold the house. He doesn't live there anymore. It was a thirty by yeah probably a twenty by thirty foot square, you know, thirty by twenty foot uh, room mm-hmm. that you couldn't put any more photos on the wall. Oh wow! I mean, and he hadn't signed from everybody because he's been in the aviation world since since he was born. Yeah. So I I you know got to I was talking with Lazar and I uh, I told him what my dilemma was and he I need some film process, but I got to wait till tomorrow. And then I may not get it until the day after tomorrow. And he said, hey, I have a C-41 processing unit at home. I live off of West Charleston, oh. which is about 15, 18 miles away. And I said, let's go. So we jump in his car. We're about a block from Lear's house. And he, and he looks at me. He says, I feel sorry for Lear. I said, why is that? He said, the dumb son of a bitch believes in UFOs. <laughs> I mean, his fa- his his dad brought Learjet to the world and it ended Guy believes in UFOs. See, I'm a nuclear physicist. If I can't prove it mathematically or put my hands on it, it doesn't exist. He mm-hmm. said, you could put a gun to my head, and you couldn't convince me that UFOs were real. Well, about a year later, uh, there's this guy, you know, a silhouetted head talking uh, to George Knapp, and uh, that was Bob. And that was him.
2: That was a year was later, a, huh? Oh, oh, wow. After that. And apparently, somebody did put a gun to his head. That's why he was talking. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. 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 Life he, insurance. Yeah. He got, he got called out to Indian Springs, which is now Creech Air Force Base,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, two agents. He didn't say where they, where they were from, but they, um, they put a gun to his head and, and told him they didn't, they didn't like some of the people he was associated with. IE Lear primarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my name was, my name wasn't associated with, um, you know, with the men in black hating me yet. So I had to wait a couple yeah. years.
5: <laughs> you, it it didn't come, um, I take it. <laughs> if,
1: yes. if these are,
0: in fact, TR-3Bs, and they are from our arsenal, mm-hmm. I suppose, um, what are they doing in these kind of just strange airspaces? Um, like just in Darcy's documentary, like they're over, I'm trying to think, like uh, Pennsylvania and... Uh, Shanghai and uh, like Colorado, like, like mm-hmm. why, why, why would our like black ops military be flying these things over these,
1: to me seems like a strange airspace. When, when they were first uh, flying the F-117, they, all the flights were at night for a couple of years. They were flying simulated bombing runs on major U S cities. They go up in the Bay area. They, you know, they, they would uh, uh uh click on uh was it uh, uh the old 49ers uh, the 49ers uh, oh, the uh,
3: candlestick
0: was it part. candlestick
1: candlestick yeah mm-hmm. yeah
0: i don't even know how i know that i don't yeah
1: <laughs> uh, good, uh, good yeah it was job, on John. the tip of my tongue <laughs> Are you a 49ers <laughs> fan i have
0: <laughs> that's some weird information that was just stored uh, in the back of my brain yeah you know,
1: they you know, they you know they targeted the space Needle in Seattle the Sears Tower in uh, Chicago the Statue of Liberty. They were using various targets to Mm -hmm. see if they can get through there without being detected. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they had, you know, there would be other military aircraft in the area that had transponders on and that, uh, you know, were very visible, you know, to uh, air defense radar. Now, FAA radar is only looking for a transponder. It's not looking for an object out there. Um, So if you don't have a transponder, you're invisible as far as the FAA is
2: concerned. Yeah. And that's only commercial stuff, right?
1: Correct. Mm -hmm. Correct.
2: Mm -hmm. Okay. So, So, yeah, but I mean, like the other thing is, um, you know, if you, if you look at some of the videos in the doc, the, uh, supposed TR3B clips, um, people will always say also, like, why would you put lights on each corner of a triangular craft? That's not very stealth, right? Right, And um, I agree with that, first of all. (laughs) But second of all, I'd also say that many of these reports, people are saying they can't actually see them with their naked eye. And this plays into the capabilities of a craft that uses metamaterials. Um, Metamaterials, if you look them up they can reflect light refract light they can um you know possibly project certain imagery that you want to be seen so uh if these craft truly are using state-of-the-art metamaterials they're probably camouflaging themselves by reflecting some kind of image that's above them like the sky or clouds or something but I think that we have pretty powerful cameras now in our pockets, you know, i.e. your cell phone Mm -hmm. and or mobile phone. Um, The interesting thing is that if you look at Alara's testimony halfway through the dock, she was at this pretty famous UFO conference that happens every year called Contact in the Desert. Right, And she was with a big group of people. They were all doing a experimental CE5 out in this field. And when they were doing this, um, they eventually saw the, this strange show of UFOs above their heads that looked like butterflies that were kind of flickering in and out of space. And that's all they could see when they looked up. She got, you know, tired and decided to turn in or whatever. Um, and she drove down the road. And when she got down the road to her hotel, she said she could see like with her own naked eye, some kind of a light that was over the field where she had just left. Mm-hmm. But with her camera, with her, her phone, when she recorded that same area, it picked up something her her human eye couldn't pick up, and that's like pretty much what we hear often about with these craft, these black triangles that are flying silently, that are able to uh, covertly go over neighborhoods, cities, yada yada yada. And when you look at that footage, um, it looks very evident that there's a light in each corner of that massive triangle that's hovering over the sky. Way in the distance, um, and TR three Bs are supposed to be massive. The you know, if you listen to the testimony of Edgar Fouché, he said that these things were meant to carry large amounts of personnel, you know, a tank, if you will, at the same time and go into space with it. They were uh, able to carry large amounts of things um, and then go into outer space supposedly so it was a um alien reproduction vehicle Mm -hmm. uh i think mark mccandlish has the most famous arv uh illustration that uh dr stephen greer brought out in the disclosure project that sort of typical ufo saucer looking thing um but the tr3b would be or any black triangle that we've gotten since its inception, which apparently happened in 1979. Um, I'm sure we have stuff that's super small. That's maybe the same size as a, a TR three B or, you know, any size in between. And, and most of them probably could be unmanned at this point. They could be, um, you know, these triangles that can stop on a dime and fly at incredible speeds mm-hmm. and, do right angle turns and all that type of stuff. Cause there is no personnel. There's just a guy sitting behind a computer with a, uh, you know, a joystick uh, flying a drone like many um, pilots or drone pilots are doing these days in the middle East.
5: Yeah. I mean, we're doing what, yeah, we're doing that now. I mean, so who's to say that that technology, why wouldn't it match up the same, you know, if that
1: really was the case. So in, in 19, in 1974, Lockheed, uh, the Lockheed production facility there at Pom- Palmdale, they're building the L-1011s. They flew an L-1011 with literally nobody in the cockpit. There was there were, there were people there, but they weren't mm. flying the airplane, but they were there in case, you know, as a, as redundancy. Right. It took off from Palmdale. It, it flew to a, uh, a, a runway. It was probably Pratt & Whitney's West Palm Beach facility where it did two touch and goes, And then came back to Palmdale and landed all without anybody being in the cockpit. And it was all pre-programmed to do that. So that, you know, that technology is, it it, it has existed for 40 years.
5: It just, and yet I can't get my fucking FedEx delivered on time. It just, I don't, I don't understand the world we're (laughs) living, but anyway, we're going to take a quick break. Um, we're, again, we'll be back with Darcy and Jim. If you guys want to stand by, um, give us just a second. We'll be back. Thank you.
0: Believe in UFOs? Felt that chill up your spine that you just can't explain? Contemplate the other side of reality? Do you shake your head at the world that seems to have lost its common sense? Or well, look no further than Strange Uncles. Find them on all podcast platforms and call their hotline to tell your side of reality at 801-252-6945. Open the gates.
5: All right, everybody, and we're back with Darcy Ware and James Goodall. Um so I had a couple questions with this. We're, we're talking about timelines and something, Jim, you mentioned, Darcy, you alluded on was, you know, like we're, look, we're 40, 50 years ahead of where we're at, you know, the, the picture, Star Trek, Star Wars, we're beyond that. This is where we're at. You alluded to, you know, the meta material and, and everything that maybe these spacecrafts are built out of or whatever have you. And then you loop like companies like DARPA into it. And I guess I'm always, this is my word fascination. DARPA is amazing. I, I, The things that they come out with, I know that you know the government runs it necessarily. Do you think that DARPA, even though it's compartmentalized as this may be with these kind of spacecrafts, that DARPA was part of that or they were where or there was different branches such as DARPA that came up with different technology to put something like these TR-3Bs together? What's that look like in, on a big picture scale? Does that, that make sense?
1: Well, first of all, yeah, DARPA doesn't itself do the you know do the creation. You know, they are they are sort of like the the coach or the mm-hmm. headmaster. Yeah, you know, they go out they go out to industry. They'll submit a request for proposal. In some cases, it's a classified you know uh, request for proposal. We we want it. We is there anybody out there think they can build this or can build that? Uh, we have X number of dollars you know to go forward. Um, and another thing: anything our government shows that came out of the out of the black world, the classified environment, anything and everything that that they release is at least twenty years old.
4: Hmm.
1: Yeah, they the yeah. my favorite my favorite airplane in the whole wide world is the CIA CIA version of of the Blackbird. It's called the A twelve code name Oxcart. That airplane uh, last flew on June 21st, 1968. When it went, they flew the last one from Area 51 to Palmdale for storage. It wasn't till 20 years later in 1988 that they announced the existence of the original single place Blackbird, the A 12. Hmm. So it was operational and it flew from 62 to 68, and it was retired for 20 years. And when they finally announced it, and I knew about it, but yeah, you know, of course I was. I'm not a. I'm not a, world famous journalist or a contributor to the newspapers or the AP or, and we didn't have, you know, the boy the Google brothers or the Google boys, and we didn't have that uh, Nazi wannabe uh, from Facebook. Uh, yeah so I mean, so there was there was no way to you know, get the information out. But I I saw my very first one. Uh, late seventies hmm. at Palmdale, they had they had been in a hangar and then they needed space for the hangar, so they moved uh, they moved the airplanes out and that's where they had nine of them and they were all pickled out there. Yeah. So so when the government decides to release something, it's not state of the art, it's not cutting edge. It's it it was state of the art and cutting edge, you know, fifteen or twenty years ago.
2: Right.
0: Yeah. It's just old news now, so you're not going to
2: be yeah yeah i mean like yeah or anything the other thing i can add to that um which you know if you speak to jim goodall's stepson michael schratt uh (laughs) he always loves to talk about um the burn trenches he mentions that at area 51 or these you know, classified airbase areas that they're testing out exotic technology, like something you would see on a TR-3B, maybe. Um, when they're done with the project, it's part of many of these projects, um, you know, modus operandi to destroy what they've tested, because everything. they everything they don't want. They destroy the data. They destroy the materials it can't get out because if it gets out, um, maybe the Russians will pick it up. Maybe the Chinese will pick it up. And then you got a real problem because you've just threatened national security by arming, uh, you know, the enemy with, with information that can be used against your, your country. Right. Oh, like so the
1: withdrawal from Afghanistan. Yeah. Go on.
2: Anyway. So, <laughs> uh, other than sleepy Joe, we got, uh, information about burn trenches that people have been talking about for ages, right? Or well, Michael Schrat, for example. And I just sent you guys a link of, uh, you know, Jeff Dun- Dunham, Looking who's at that a yeah security officer who has a legit W3 working out of area 51. Hmm. And he got sick from, uh, you know, it's the second page is his, e g and g special projects uh w3 there right Mm -hmm. and uh he's trying to sue or fred fred dunham is trying to sue because he got basically cancer from the burn trenches fumes or from possibly what they paint some of these stealth craft with and um you know it's not it's not stuff that you want to have in the kitchens. You know, it's, it's going to get, get most people sick. Uh, metamaterials, all this stuff is sometimes highly toxic. And, um, you know, if you even talk to Jim about, um, uh, Lockheed skunk works, Ben rich, he was dying from cancer because of the stuff that they were spraying on their spy craps during the time he was an engineer and, managing projects oh, wow. for Lockheed skunk work. So it all kind of comes around, you know, that yeah. you, you hear about these craft being worked on, you hear about things being burned or uh, special types of materials being used on them that are highly hazardous to human beings. And lo and behold, people are actually testifying that they got sick from it. So right.
5: But but he, but here's a question though. I Maybe mean, that's just me, but you know how many of these these cases? How many of these one offs like this gentleman here that you sent the link for? What does it take for something to be opened up to go? Oh, look, no, we have a problem. Like when it's all classified. Yeah, so that's the thing, They'll never you know? they'll
2: never declassify it. they yeah, I mean they'll yeah. they'll pay off somebody like this if they sure. squeal too much. But they'll be like, there you go, shut up. If you ever speaking about it again, you know, then you're in trouble.
5: Yeah. 17 years of broken silence. This guy had like 17 years of working with area 51. And now here he is, you know, it's just such a shame, you know, it's awful.
1: Yeah. Uh, one, one of the, to show you how, how they throw money around when they were moving, were they were moving the very first blackbird from the production facility in Burbank to yeah. area 51 for flight testing. They had this huge, uh, this uh, huge uh trailer, that they, they built and they, you know, they put the Blackbird on it, took the wing, the engine cells, and, and you know, the outer wing panels off. And if there's any way they could take anything off the nose to shorten it. And they were, they did a study, when was the, the deadest or the quietest time on the LA freeways? And it turns out it's Tuesday night, actually Wednesday morning about 3 a.m. has the least traffic of any time. So that's when they headed out from uh, from uh, Burbank, and they were out near. They I think they were past Gorman. They're heading towards Mojave, and they were coming around a bend, uh, and they're going very very close. And they they clipped some old farmer's beat up you know POS pickup truck. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't back in 1960 or 62. It it wasn't worth maybe two hundred dollars. But they dinged it, mm-hmm. and the CIA agents went, uh, had a conversation with the guy, and he said, "said uh, I said, tell you what," and I said, uh, "if I give you if I give you some money, will you just forget what you saw?" And the guy says, "forget what?" I said, it's a good, "That's a good answer." So I want to buy your truck from you. He says, "Here's ten thousand dollars cash, 1962. That's hundred and fifty thousand dollars in today's, as far as buying power. He says, "Well, I want to buy your truck from you." And so the guy said, "Fine." He said, "And yeah, we'll give you, a, you know, we'll give you." A, now he's thinking to himself, maybe they'll give me a ride <laughs> into town. And then, then the next, comp, the next comment the uh, CIA agent said, "Well, tell you what, uh, we'll let you keep the truck, but you didn't see anything, right?" He said, "Didn't see what?" And he said, "That's a good answer." <laughs> So, and I mean, that. they, they throw money around, you know, to keep people quiet mm-hmm. and you give enough. And they also, you know, threaten, you know, threaten uh, uh, to have the IRS you know, you know, make sure that you go out of business, make sure you go to debtor's prison or whatever. You know, if, when the federal government wants to destroy someone. And they're bigger they than you it. are. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. muscle,
5: you know, at that point. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, one of the things that's interesting to me is. I believe Darcy earlier, like we all have had planes fly above us. I live is pretty close to Hill Air Force Base. I mean, the jets fly over my house and when they do, like, it's just monumentally loud, super loud. Um, and this TR3B, these triangles are silent, if not just super, super quiet. Um, what are, what are kind of like, could you explain the physics behind the TR3B?
2: Um, okay. I think, yeah. I mean, the best I can say is that um, for the TR-3B, if it used this uh, super-cooled mercury-based rotating superconductor uh, anti-gravitic engine, um, it would allow it to float or rise in the air, and then it had apparently. Thrusters on each corner. So that's another thing people might be seeing when they see these triangles. They're not lights on each corner. They're actually propulsion systems. Yeah. 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 And so the propulsion system, supposedly for this one back in like, you know, 1979, 1980s, uh, would have been a hydrogen based propulsion on each corner. But the, the actual lift was coming from um, an anti-gravitic engine in the middle of the craft. And supposedly, Edgar Rothschild uh, Fouché said that he, he knew that it was reverse-engineered from a crash craft. So something like Bob Lazar's sports model, for example. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the bottom of that type of... Uh, Craft and and how it supposedly was built, what do you have? You have three pylons that surround a anti-gravitic mid-engine in the middle of the craft. And the pylons are actually the ones that give it thrust and direction, whereas the middle allows it to go up, you know, and and, um, also creates the energy for the craft. So apparently that was the other thing this created energy the rotating superconductor and you have poklonov who's a um, famous russian um, physicist who wrote a paper on a rotating superconductor um, theory and how it, it should work and obviously the russians would probably be building stuff based off of his theories then you have um nasa who wrote a rotating superconductor paper on anti-gravity back in the 1950s, the late 1950s. Hmm. And then you have Ning Li, who was a famous um, physicist in the 90s. um, And she wrote a paper on how anti-gravity would work. And that included, you know, this rotating superconductor theory. And uh, she disappeared. So it just it all seems to be out there in some shape or form based off of the original story of how the TR3B worked, right? And mm-hmm. to my mind, you know, um when you hear people talk about a craft that was not ours that they were examining and trying to duplicate, those scientists would always be in awe because everything they were seeing, you know, under a microscope and demonstrated in, in, in their, uh, naked eye in front of them looked like technology that was manufactured down to the atomic level. And we're not there yet. We're trying to get there now, but the TR3B would have been like the soapbox Derby, uh, you know, attempt at recreating the physics from something like the sports model, but in a large craft right you know they were lo- looking at something that was manufactured down to the atomic level and like well what do we got all right grab some of that uh you know the get, get that uh that metal over there we'll get uh some mer- mercury let's super cool that we'll uh rotate that up to a certain amount of rpms maybe that'll work and then uh okay look we need some thrust let's go get some hydrogen you know uh, we don't want anybody making hydrogen car cause that might completely destroy our fossil fuel industry, but Hey, we can slap it onto the corners of this, uh, black triangle we're building and fly that in the dead of night. No one will know.
0: Yeah, don't worry. I've made, I've made spaceships with less.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. What, yeah what are Rick you, and style, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
5: <laughs> so, um, so I've got, we can wrap up here a little bit. I, uh, number one, I, I think it's, you know, it's this whole soul conversation is amazing. Uh, And it doesn't really matter. And I think, you know, we always ask the question when we discuss this is we are speculating, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, gents, that this is reverse engineering of sorts. We Something had to happen, landed, crash landed, whatever have you. We're trying to build it from the ground up or put our own spin on that necessarily. When we talk about the original anatomy of whatever we're taking this off of, And, you know, you've got Area 51, you've got, oh, it's here, it's here, it's here. What is your best judgment of where this technology that wasn't ours originally, where's it at? Like, where are we playing out of here? What base, what place, what, especially nowadays with technology and and the modern world, it's really damn hard to hide shit.
1: So where are we at here? There are two places where you can hide almost anything. One is the outback in Australia. I mean, you could, you know, you could have a fleet of seven forty sevens and fly them every day, and not a human being would see one because it's so isolated out there. The other thing, they uh, there's a friend of my son. It was a KC one thirty five tanker pilot for for his twenty five years in the Air Force, and he asked my son. He said, uh, "Does your dad still go out, uh, you know, to Area fifty one to snoop under government?" And my son says, "Yeah." He said, "Well," <laughs> he should, said said there's a new place it's it's not in the pacific Northwest but it's up in that general vicinity and it supposedly it's the far northeast corner of nevada is a there's a facility there's been uh, interesting they uh, John lear said he had two friends that he knew worked on a program out at at the test site area fifty one and that they wouldn't you know they they have to you know, go through a lie detector uh thing at least uh, once a month to make sure that you haven't even talked in your sleep but they told them that they the program they were working on uh had become operational and they were moving to uh twin falls idaho
4: hmm. they
1: said we have about a we have about a 90 minute commute to go to work so i figure that's 100 miles so i gotta i gotta put a thing right in the middle of uh, twin falls and i drew it you know 100 mile circle around it uh-huh. and i've gone through as uh, the highest resolution i can get on google earth or any other you know place and there's got to be a road in they may be able to camouflage it so you can't see it from the air uh but you look on google earth you look in the northeast corner of nevada it's G- google has pixelated it it's it's half a dozen different shades of green from dark green to light green. So it looks like forest, but it's, it's, it's hiding something, but I've gone through and tried to find roads, you know, go to jackpot, which is right on the border
4: Mm -hmm.
1: and uh, see if there's any roads going out of, you know, out of town. That's that. I, I think they would have to be paved, but not necessarily. Uh, But there's, there was a huge construction project, out there somewhere and, and what someone should do. And I, I'm just me. I'm, uh, I'm almost 77. I, yeah, I don't go out in the desert nearly as much as I used to. I don't mind sleeping out in the desert in a tent and, in a, uh, a sleeping bag, but trying to get up off the ground, that's what's keeping me from going out there too much. Uh, but you know, they, they, there's stuff is out there. I mean, there's mm-hmm. too many people. I mean, a good example, I had a, a chance to interview a, a Lieutenant Colonel uh, David Fruhoff, SR-71 pilot. I interviewed him because he crashed one and I wanted to get, you know, wanted him to tell me, you know, what happened. And he, you know, he just passed away here last year of COVID, but he had oh. half a dozen, he had a half a dozen uh, things wrong with him: high blood pressure uh, type two diabetes and a bunch of other stuff. And, but I interviewed him, you know, you know, it, was, it was back. My dad was still alive. So it, it would have to be in the nineties. And my dad lived in Tullahoma, uh, Dave, you know, called Lynchburg, the home of Jack Daniels, uh, his home after he retired.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: But he said in 1972, 73 timeframe, he's flying a night training mission out of Kadena, Okinawa. He's in the far Western Pacific, it so says it's about 11 o'clock at night. He's at 78,000 feet of Mach 2.7. And that's not Mach 2.7 is just a sweet spot for the Blackbird. When you're flying that, you're almost in idle. That airplane wants to fly outside of its envelope. And if you give it a chance, it will. And there was a three-quarter moon off to the uh, left. And uh, of course, they're way up. There's no clouds, no air pollution up there. And all of a sudden, he gets a glint off something reflective, either metallic or a shiny, you know, shiny surface of some sort, about five or six miles off to his right, and he figured between uh, six, you know, between five and seven thousand feet above him. Mm-hmm. So he calls Kadena on on secure voice, calls the command post. He said, "Do we have another bird up?" He said, no, you're up there by yourself. He said, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm going to go take a closer look. So he, moved, he, put, he advances the throttles, and he does about a 10-degree bank as he's, as he's climbing and heading towards this object. And about then, his backseater said, hey, Dave, we got company. I said, yeah, I'm going to go take a look. So he said he was still a mile or so away from it and still a 1,000 or so feet below it. And he was, he was hoping to get a shape just from his blocking out the stars, and, and he couldn't. And all of a sudden, this thing took off at about a 30-degree angle of attack and left him like he was heading the other direction. Hmm. He said he lost it going between 180,000, 200,000 feet is what he estimates at speed of anywhere from uh, Mach 12 to Mach 16. So fast forward to 1980, he retires from the Air Force. He has a real high clearance because he's been in, you know, the secret environment of the Blackbirds uh, for nine years, 10 years. Mm-hmm. He gets a job as facility manager at Area 51. Hmm. He's he's responsible for all non-program aircraft and all the buildings. So he was responsible for maintaining all the chase planes. You know, he he flew chase for you uh, know, for half blue, he flew chase for F-117, and uh, he flew you know, chase for uh, for other stuff that uh, that they did there. So I asked him, I said, okay, Dave, uh, what about the underground facilities? And he said, there aren't any at Area 51, because I would have been responsible for it, and I would have to... Had to you know sign off that that it was in compliance with whatever regulations or whatever.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: He
1: said, but that doesn't mean that we don't have the ability at the Nevada test site to, to do underground facilities. I mean, they built Yucca Mountain. They you know how many how many thirty six foot diameter holes did they drill in the uh, desert floor you know, to test n- underground nuclear explosions?
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, they
1: have they have the boring equipment that can go through a solid granite. 36-foot diameter cutting head at about a foot an hour. But the thing thing you have to look for as far as an underground facility, there has to be a road in and out somewhere. Maybe not where you think it is, but there has to be a road somewhere. And there has to be a place for them to dump the dirt.
2: Uh, Also, sorry. No, go ahead. Sorry. No, just, I mean, the first documentary I ever made was – uh, called the underground and it kind of touches on underground bases and uh, all that stuff that Phil Schneider talked about back in like the early 90s and stuff but um you know if you look at the accounting practices of the you know national defense budget that all the different uh, branches and industries that feed into that they have an accounting practice that literally, you can say, well, we have to account for $40 million. What did we spend it on? Okay, let's just put it down as loaves of bread. Yep, loaves of bread. We spent $42 million this month on loaves of bread. And if anybody else in the United States, Canada, Australia, the UK, a private uh, personal citizen did the same practice, they'd be thrown into jail for life. But the United States military has a extremely high balance uh, for you know spend. For 2021, I'm looking at the United States uh, budget, it was $778 billion. And that accounts for 3.9, 3.7% of the GDP of the whole country. Mm. That's very small, but it's a huge amount of money that they're allowed to spend. And a lot of that They can use that accounting uh, practice that I just mentioned to you. So what are they using it on? Are they able to build things like this new base that they have in the corner, the northeast corner of Nevada, Mm -hmm. you know, to take some heat off of Area 51 or S4 or Los Alamos or all these other places that people, you know, some people say that there's something in Dulce, New Mexico. Dugway, in Utah very good example yeah or that's uh, that's
1: supposed to have something really spooky
2: going on there yeah in the middle of in the middle of australia they have mount zeal which uh is a massive american run military base Mm -hmm. in australia and Mm -hmm. mount zeal is supposedly a place where they have a facility under the mountain Mm um and you know then you I was out there in 2013 and we're seeing things in the outback flying that looks like triangles, you know? Mm -hmm. So, Hey, these things, and you know, Jim will tell you the SR 71 used to do all of its test missions out of area 51. And then they would stop refuel and, and fly the other part of the world out of Japan.
5: Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, you, you mentioned that you mentioned military spending, like we passed a military bill this year and it was even more than what they had requested. You know, we pulled out of, of the war, supposedly. We're, so, you know, where, where's this money going to? I mean, you know, the the premise it, and the purpose of that. It's is just coming
1: out of your pocket and going into theirs. Well, I fucking know that. But, I mean, there's <laughs> much more to it. So I, I do, just answered your question. <laughs> no, I know. I appreciate yeah. you. Um yeah.
5: I do want to circle back, and I'm sorry, guys. I just, I, just, You know, this whole conversation amazes me, so hopefully you get a little bit more time. I, met, I threw Dugway out there. Jim and you had mentioned something about
1: Dugway. Can we touch bases on that a bit? Yeah, it's been reported from a couple of different people. One was a private pilot. He was flying over uh, the Dugway complex, and all of a sudden he was. Uh, he had two F-15s on either on either side of him, asking where he was going. And I said, "Well, I'm just out uh, for a spin. Beautiful. The air is beautiful today. It's nice and crystal clear." They said, uh, "What have you seen?" It said, said nothing. I just took over off a little bit ago, and I, I'm just uh, getting some time, you know, time on the stick. But what he didn't tell the, you because know, they, they contacted him on on whatever his frequency was, mm. and uh, he saw something come out of the ground at Dugway. It was like it was like uh, the ground opened up. You know, almost like a James Bond, you know, coming out of the lake or coming out of the crater of the volcano.
2: Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> you know, something,
1: something huge, flip, you know, came out. You know, came out of the ground. He didn't say. He didn't say he saw anything because he didn't. You know, he didn't want them to force his airplane down and have him go through a uh, a cleansing process, if you want to call mm-hmm, it that. Mm-hmm.
5: So, Interesting.
1: Interesting. Well, we yeah. we have we have Area 51. We have Tonopah Test Range. Uh, to some degree, we have White Sands Missile Range because that's a huge area out there. Mm-hmm. Kirkland
2: uh, Air Force Base, mm-hmm. Wright yeah. Patterson Air Force Base. Um, right, right, Pat.
1: Right, Pat is where they bring the spookiest stuff for the guys to uh, to look at. Then, In, unless unless it's so highly classified or toxic, and it could, that could be both that they, they opt to do it at, at places like S4 or even out in the middle of Australia. Um, you know, I have, I have a friend that's a, uh, not friend, an acquaintance that is a analyst for a national security agency. And I, uh, she was at Pine Gap and I, uh, I sent her an email. I said, uh, Australia, right? Pine Gap. Yeah. Pine yep. Gap. Yeah. Yep. It's in the middle of the country. I mean, there's, they can see you coming for a thousand miles. <laughs> just no, just no way to sneak up on them. And he said, "I, I said, uh, what He said, do you believe in UFOs?'" And I, I got an instant reply. He said, "Why did you see one?" And I, <laughs> I emailed back and I said, "No, it's just an area, an area of interest of mine." He said, so if I can't say anything on this on this platform, the, you know, electronic, you know, data transmission," said, mm-hmm. "But they're here." That was her comment. They're oh, here. Yeah, well, so no Dar- darcy yeah. Darcy's special is 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 I had fun time doing it I, mm. he did a great job uh, I just uh, I applaud him for it and I'm looking forward to part three <laughs> and hopefully I'll may be part of it
5: man uh, I, I'll tell you I mean just yeah, well number one Darcy we just want to thank you for for you know coming on. Uh, getting jim involved you know jim you didn't have to take your time and thank you very much for i mean just hearing i i think the the past stories you know i mean yeah the documentaries, is new whatever have you but there's always a lead up too and so your experience of what you've been through and the counters you've had and then darcy you put all this together i like it i i feel like we can go well we're not going to go seven hours mind you but i feel like we could go quite a, quite along yeah. with this thing but yeah, just just could, amazing
0: just amazing yeah, we can keep this going
5: yeah so um, sure. darcy how can we help you what 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 do you want to promote on your side um you, you've got the platform here
2: uh yeah no i mean people can check out the doc it's um on amazon prime itunes youtube youtube red like google play that type of stuff um if people are interested in checking it out and want to leave a review on IMDB or Amazon Prime I'd really appreciate it as a independent documentary filmmaker and um, that's that's me if you want to check out my website where you know I've got a whole portfolio of past films it's just occultjourneys.com don't worry if you visit it; you won't get hexed with evil. Occult <laughs> is, you know, based off of the the uh, Greek word "occulta," which just means hidden. Mm-hmm. So hidden journeys. Yeah, right. yeah.
1: Uh, and 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 my end. Yeah, I'm a writer, so I have uh, actually I am working on my 29th book right oh, now. Wow. Okay. And but my my two favorite books, actually three. I have uh, from Sheffer, Sheffer Publishing. I have a pictorial history of the B two stealth bomber,
4: mm-hmm.
1: and they even let me they even <laughs> let me fly the simulator. Uh, I flew it for, for two and a half hours, I, but they only had me down on the on the certificate I got for one hour. I mean, for two hours. Uh, <laughs> but I have my B two book. You can, you can go to Amazon, James Books by James C Goodall. and That's G O O D A L L. I have my Blackbird book, which is Jeff Babion, the vice president, general manager of Lockheed Skunk Works, said his two favorite books in the whole whole wide world are my Blackbird book and my 75 years of the Lockheed Skunk Works. Wow. And that came out in June. That's uh, 384 pages, uh, about a thousand photos. And I covered 70, correction, 43 different programs, Mm. a lot of them. I even I even had a couple Lockheed Skunkworks guys said oh, I didn't know about that one. <laughs> so <laughs> that's pretty good. That's so, pretty good then. But wow. so if uh, the the cheapest way to get them is is Amazon. Mm. Uh, I am I am uh, out and about a little bit. I do I always bring books with me when I go on a road trip,
4: mm-hmm.
1: and I'm going to I hope to have a bunch of them with me when I you know, go out in uh, you know probably end end of April. Uh, I'm going to head up to you know up. Go see go spend a day or two with Bob Lazar and go up uh, and see a couple of other people up in Seattle and then I'm gonna uh, head towards uh, Boise mm-hmm. um, but i may pass I may pass through uh, uh, Spokane. I have a very dear friend who's a barber there. I used to yeah she's one of my dance partners when uh, when she lived in uh, Tacoma and i loved I love rock and roll I, and it, I yeah. may be an old fart. Yeah, but I, yeah. nothing wrong with that.
5: imagine yeah. you, you've got me emailed, Jim. I, I hope you saw that because I forwarded the uh, the Zoom invite to you. That that's our email. By all means, look me up. I would love to sit down and have coffee or beer with you, and just I, uh, you know, amazing stuff.
1: I'd probably smoke some weed. I don't drink. Oh, well, hey,
5: <laughs> That's
4: <laughs> fair,
0: fair
1: enough. It's honestly, the safer
0: option. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, probably
5: it's.
4: Yeah, because. So. Yeah,
5: uh, No, that's awesome. Uh, Darcy, Jim, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for the time. Uh, We're going to thank you off air. If you just want to hang on with us for a little bit, Um, everybody, that was Darcy. We're in Jim Goodall. Thank you very much for your time and your stories. uh, All amazing. I enjoyed all of it.
2: Yeah. Really happy
5: to be back. Awesome. Thank you guys. Anytime. Yeah, I just, uh, the shit that Jim's been through and the things, you know, and again, you know, you hear these stories and then he talks about like meeting Lazar and, you know, these these the people he met and these people that would write him and, and these high ups for Grumman and all this stuff. It just, I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me being nostalgic, but that shit just amazes me. It really honestly does because he's 50 something plus years of this stuff, you know, this is what yeah. this guy's got underneath his belt.
3: I mean yeah. he was talking about restoring the SR seventy one that's at the Hill Air Force Museum that I saw a thousand times when I was like fucking ten.
5: <laughs> yeah. And there he was. He was the guy that did it, you know? Yeah. It just absolutely amazes me.
3: Yeah. Uh and I think a
0: lot of that I don't know, I feel like a lot of this kind of goes full circle to Bob Lazar's like if you wanna like it goes full circle into saying or proving what Bob Lazar was has been saying this whole time is mm-hmm. there's gotta be some truth to it. Yeah. I don't know. I feel amazing. like yeah. it all kind of like ties in with all of that. Yeah. Like I don't know. I don't
5: know. No, I you know, I know, I, I agree with that. And I think a lot of uh you know when you talk about Lazari, because obviously, you know, that name's huge, you know, for us anyway, because we know, you know, who it is, you know, people kick the can on, oh fuck, you know, he's making it up, he's doing this, he's doing that. No, you know, not at this point. I mean, you know, you think about it, you always need a scapegoat somewhere, and that's exactly what he was for the government for a long mm-hmm. time. You know, and so I, I don't see how you could see anything else past that with him. You know, of course we all read his books, Dreamland. Um, you know, fantastic a story, what he had, he had to have it out there. Um yeah. just, just just an amazing story. And then you know, you got somebody like Jim that's been looking at this stuff and and even from the infancy, you know, like I said in the interview. You know, the Blackbird was like my childhood. It was like, oh, my God, fuck, this thing's lo- Lexus. It looks like a sci-fi, like it just shouldn't have existed in the I time really it did. I
3: liked that he called it sinister looking because I had the G.I. Joe toy that was uh, the Blackbird. <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah. I yeah. think the code name for the G.I. Joe toy was like Night Raven or something. And, of course, it was a Cobra vehicle. Oh, of course. it's black and it looks sinister. It looks mean as fuck and it's always been one of my favorite aircraft did it come with destro
5: as a little character with it or no
3: uh no but it it had like a weird pilot action figure but it also had like a drone little plane that sat on the back between the back wings like the like the blackbird actually had um except for this one you could put an action figure in it it was (laughs) that's funny a man that's way cooler um, yeah yeah yeah, it really is. But yeah, it was it was rad. I think uh, uh that lost many an epic battle to the Millennium Falcon because, you know, it's the Millennium Falcon. But Yeah.
0: Mm. Um, I was kind of curious though. I wanted to ask Jim about it. He said he had uh Lazar's W2. Yes. And I yeah. was like How'd,
5: How'd you get, get his
0: W2? Yeah, <laughs> I know
5: I crossed my mind when he said it. I was like uh, i oh,
0: never okay. I don't think I've had one person not even Tory ever Touch my I, W-2. Right. Oh, man, right.
3: I've got so many people's W-2s. Dude, I've just got a collection. Crime <laughs> I don't know. That was so just companion. that just popped
0: in my mind. I remember just being like, why did you? Maybe I missed.
5: I mean, I mean, that's what I, I, I collect. I, or... I collect W-2s and garbage <laughs> ball kid cards. So, <laughs> I just break into know.
0: all my friends' houses and steal their old W-2s. <laughs> that's all you well, do. I just do all their taxes.
3: So.
5: Shit in their mailbox <laughs> and then run away with their W-2 waving in there. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I caught that on, too, because I, I don't. Yeah, it, that's not a. I, I don't know. And then well, I was I going through my that's military.
3: A, is that like uh, like between friends, kind of like you, hey, if you think I'm full of shit, here's
5: maybe, my maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It, it would have yeah, to be something uh, sure. like that. I, f- I feel
3: but, like yeah. I just maybe I might have
0: missed a part of the story, or like, I don't think you missed it. Maybe while he was yeah. telling it,
3: like, he just doesn't. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah like.
5: Yeah, you guys should like, know how I got a hold of this, and we really don't. Yeah. No,
3: uh, that's just my assumption. I don't think he said anything about how he ended up getting it. I was just, like, assuming, like, oh, yeah, you know, like, if if I was telling a fantastic story to someone I was friendly with who seemed like they were on the fence about believing me i would probably offer up some kind of like hey do you think i could fake a w2 probably not here you go check it out yeah yeah investigate that could be i mean
5: really that's plausible to be honest with you and then john you had a question that was very good and i thought you know hey look you know these things are being these these tr3bs are being seen in just weird places why you know why is that the case and and I don't know, I think Jim answered that for the most part. You know, we're always skeptical on some of this stuff, and we should be, you know, when you do it. Like I said, we, I, I don't, I can't, I, I will safely say here, and I'm sure I've said this before. I can't, you know, we I don't trust the government as far as I can throw it. I know that it's, there are programs and black ops and everything else, but there's still a line in the sand when you look at that. And, you know, when you talk about what a TR3B may be, you know, why did we pick yeah. this method? What reverse engineering all this stuff? And that's why I want to ask the question about, well, what about where do we reverse, reverse engineer this stuff? Obviously there's nothing in the there at 51 at this point. I mean, if, I, I mean, I, there,
0: there, go ahead, John. There, I mean, there can't be really right. There's so much, it's Can so be. popular. So, I mean, why would you put anything there? Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't uh, want these there days
3: there that, that you care about actually keeping secret.
0: Like these days, like, I mean, it just doesn't make sense. Um, and, yeah, I'll, I'm still skeptical. I, I mean, I'm skeptical on everything. Have you know, to be. And, like yeah. until you 100% prove it to me. But, I mean, there are things that make sense, you know? Like, do I think the government has shit that we can't comprehend? Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
5: Like, Hands there's down. There's no doubt yeah.
0: about it, right? They've yeah.
3: got to have technology well beyond our well, if they don't, then right. I want a shitload of my fucking money back. Yeah, <laughs> no shit about
5: that for what's going somewhere.
3: Well, that's yeah. why I always bring up DARPA Honestly, because you know, like my take on it was when when you asked about the physics of the TRB three or TR three B. Sorry, um, John, when you asked them about that and they started talking about it, I was like, you know what? I, this doesn't sound reverse engineered to me. This sounds like uh, just a continuation of our own. Um, like just RDF. progress.
5: What, what, exactly, exactly. Yeah, like our, what RDF, we advanced like, off you know,
3: of.
0: It's yeah, the evolution of what we've been working f- on from the time we, you
3: know, jets.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and we got of, it. And yeah, and we got well, it. In small pockets
3: makes sense to me too because that's like one of them. One of the more stable airframes, right? Like, like the most stable airframe is basically a delta wing, like mm. fucking triangle. You yeah. Know, and I mean,
0: that's the triangle is the most solid structure as well.
5: Yeah. And yeah, so, so, you know, and this too, and it's not a matter of, I don't think, and again, could be wrong, but it's not a matter of aerodynamic space travel necessarily. It's, you know, how do we get around it? If this well, thing is around, it was invented obviously for spy tactics, military tactical, whatever it have you. It's going to work perfect in our orbit and, and how it's supposed to be for its design. Again, structure wise, you know, Well,
3: not knowing what we were going to be talking about tonight, even like just the other day I was thinking about randomly about how uh, I I want to say it was the predecessor to the F-35 they were talking about that was going to be the last um, inter-atmosphere fighter plane, like Mm. the last fighter plane that couldn't go outside of the atmosphere. Right. And that was like a long-ass time ago when they were talking about that. And and it was one of those things that was just – a nonchalant throw offline in a fucking article in some obscure like fucking business insider or something.
5: Well, of course either. it was. You know why I mean, why would I guess if you yeah, think
3: about the it. Best I guess if you think about your it. Fighter.
0: Why would we make a space force if we couldn't remotely get into space?
3: Well, and we already had one like Spacecom was part of has been part of the Air Force mm, for 40. Yeah, I forgot years. about that. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. You know, there's I mean
5: somebody said
0: about it. i don't really think that like we can get et home like i mean that's i i don't know like maybe we can maybe he said that like i don't know like i'd i don't, i can't see human technology like really
3: going like
5: to, to where we're at now yeah i can't like, yeah i'm like i, I was thought far. an
3: interesting thing that he said that was like an add-on to that quote that you usually hear about we can get et home when he when jim said uh, something like we've either been there, done that, or decided it yes. wasn't worth it. Decided it wasn't yeah. worth it. Yeah, and yeah. That's that rang my I'm bell like, a bit. Okay, maybe, maybe they were like, yeah, we could build a fucking star destroyer and take ET home, but like that's going to be way expensive, and, and it's just not worth, <laughs> it, yeah. Not worth it. Yeah. So, yeah, John,
0: like, we can figure out how to get to that planet, but
3: eh. it, it, yeah, we yeah, exactly. Have the technology, or we. Theoretically, have the technology, but so, it's super expensive. So we haven't actually, yeah, it right. Out,
5: so, know. John, I want to ask you. So, I got the notes on the email, and again, I didn't have a chance to check out the doc. You know, we watched the the, the intros and what they had written up. Um, one of the things in there that caught me, and I don't know if this was actually in the documentary was the uh, secret war that they think that they have going on or is there possibly something with the aliens you know whatever have you out there was all, any of that mentioned in the documentary at all or I think it was
0: maybe briefly mentioned but not nothing, nothing it, it, foregone it wasn't like a okay. hard focus on anything and I don't know man that's really pushing it for me like yeah me too okay I, I can get behind like yeah the government has shit that we can't even imagine the TR that 3B could potentially be real or something like the TRB3 mm-hmm. or TR3B can, you know, potentially exist. Mm-hmm. um It might not be called that, whatever, but like f- having a war with think, aliens and stuff. It, it
5: started sounding sound like the end game like, for a while. That I, sounds cool as fuck. It Like, like sure, that I'm sounds like, cool. Like, okay. but
0: like, come on. Is that a thing? Like,
5: yeah. Yeah, that's I, why I, I ask, I, I didn't know how much it like, like
3: I just can't get behind that. Like that's just too right. ridiculous. My one reason why I can't get behind something like that, honestly is that I don't think that we could come into contact with another spacefaring civilization that was traveling, you know, unless for some reason there's life on fucking Neptune that we don't know about. But if there was interstellar travel, and, and there was another society or civilization that had that, and they came here, and we got into a fucking punch-up with them. I just don't see how that doesn't happen in a way that's not completely observable. Oh, well, that's what I'm saying. That's I imagine exactly. Yep. In our solar system where we could, where anybody with a fucking telescope could see the shit yeah, out of it.
0: Yeah, like if you're going yeah. to have a war.
3: Yeah. Up there, even in space, you're not like, going to
0: hide that shit.
3: Especially, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. it's like, you can hide that shit. There's nothing to hide it behind.
0: And also, I feel like somebody, a uh, civilization that's able to travel vast distances with assuming a relatively short amount of time, um, I can't imagine we'd be much, we'd put up much of
3: a fight. I, yeah,
5: that's part two of that whole thing. Yeah. Touche. No,
3: and you know, like even if this interesting. Even if somehow they were like, oh, we sacri- we sacrificed armament for speed or something. Sure, yeah, like we would fucking s- a shitload of nuclear warheads. Like that's gonna be visible. Yeah, but Don't this, you isn't, a, you up, this isn't a look up. This isn't with all game, the high, high tech like, telescopes that we yeah. have pointed towards the sky. Like
0: you know, I think yeah, we'd yeah, be yeah able pretty to pretty see observable. Crazy ass war. But then, yeah. you know, there's somebody be like, actually, it's three <laughs> light years away, and it's
3: in a... Yeah, <laughs> I know, enough, yeah. Maybe, maybe it was just outside the heliosphere, and we haven't fucking seen it yet. I it's in know. the blind spot. And, and, of, and maybe, I don't know. Us, hey, cars have where, blind spots. That's uh, can... where Shadow Earth you know. lives. Yeah. Uh, yes. Exact mirrored orbit. It's actually being sun. fought in the center <laughs> of the universe. That's Earth, right. Center of the Earth. <laughs> It's just on the other side of the sun. That's why we can't see it. Well, it's
5: in a black hole. And nobody knows what happens in a black hole. You know. Well, okay, well, you could go. I mean. Yeah. You can go pretty dirty with that one. Anyway, so it was a great fingers interview. Fingers
0: happened in my black hole.
5: <laughs> it was a good Obviously, interview. Calm that, that down, sir. not even
0: true. <laughs> it's not at all. <laughs>
5: But uh, it was not, a good not interview. Nothing else. I, you know, and Jim, like I said, wealth of knowledge. Guy's been doing it for years. Got to respect yeah. him. Just for God, what he's been doing. And Darcy, I, you know, honestly, you know, the documentaries, like it's just one after another. And to be an independent filmmaker in this kind of a field, um, pretty fucking impressive to keep rolling things out a bit. I, I yeah. will say that because I, I think you know we can batter back and forth about you know whether there's alien I, wars or not. No, but, I mean you know. I, I thought it. I think so. it
0: was a fascinating conversation. Oh, absolutely! Just constantly, like, yeah. you it know, just
5: amazes me. Every time he comes on, it's like, grinding. what you're working on? Now? What are you working on again?
0: It's <laughs> crazy. Yeah, he's, you know? he's, he's um, always grinding, and like, uh, yeah. I feel like this is just a topic that I could just talk about and speculate forever because let's well, be real, have real like all of this, you know? all of it is speculation. It, it, yeah, like, absolutely. With, with sprinkled a little bit of facts yeah. and a little bit of mythology, and like sprinkled this and there to like tie it all in. But I mean,
5: and, and get really the bottom line is fun, really
0: to it, me. It, 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 just, it does
5: because it keeps it interesting. Now, if an alien land in my backyard and a, a fucking dotch and roll out of it, whatever, I go okay, I'm paying attention. It really would take a lot to make you know to see that happen for a lot of us, and I don't think that will ever be the day. That's just not gonna you know yeah that, that's, that's reality mind. so
3: yeah um well get, like i did have a little bit of a synchronistic experience tonight like uh ran over to the garage to grab a beer in between work and this and uh for some reason uh one of the bartenders was like wait you do a podcast i didn't know about this and i was like Fuck yeah we're just idiots talking about ufos and shit and he was <laughs> like i love that And immediately started telling me a story about how he was taking a road trip and went through jackpot and, uh, like that kind of corner of Nevada that, uh, Jim was talking about where he thinks everything's at now and saw like a bunch of weird shit. Like they were driving a Prius and all the electronics shut down and, uh, and said he saw something weird coming out of the mountain and hmm. was overflown by a bunch of triangular shapes, and I didn't know that's what we were talking about tonight. That's like, fucking crazy. That's weird. Fucking A. So, shout wow. out, Levi. But, um, yeah. Oh, like, it, it's just weird how that always happens. I mean, maybe it's not a synchronicity, maybe it's just a meaningless coincidence. But uh, I no, that's pretty
5: spot on, though. Really I mean, weird, you know? Yeah, that kind of ties the two together. I, I don't know. You know, something you said about that. You know, like, and you know, we talk about that often, you know, I'm sure. So, but, um, no, I, it was a great interview. Um, yep. We've got more to come. We've got some other people lined up. We've reached out to – well, I've reached out to a couple of people. We'll hopefully, we'll we'll keep them on. We're trying to kind of hedge this season a little bit different. You know, we've got some good uh, – you know, we had Don Waldman. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed that. It was great having him on. Not necessarily strange and weird as much as just, man, this guy is the narration and the history and, like, the curtain he pulled back on. Uh, just just amazing, you know. So, we're well, going to kind I of think bring this. think world is- you know?
3: Oh, sorry. Oh well, I was no, just you're fine. Say if we don't get to use our platform, such as it is, to fanboy out every once in a while, then like why the fuck? Exactly. exactly?
0: Well, and in reference to Don Wildman, I mean, this world is fascinating and crazy without being paranormal. And yeah, like absolutely like anything, every anything that we can prove and like, no, that's real. Like, mm-hmm. is still just can be mind blowing and fascinating. Like the, the places that exist in this, in this actual world, like, yeah, So,
5: no, agreed, agreed. I think that falls right in a wheelhouse. It really does. You know, we don't have to be pigeonholed into this weird little corner microcosm. You know, there's so much and, and yeah, it's just amazing. So we're going to try to kind of sprinkle that a bit around, I guess, if that makes sense. Um, So hopefully you guys enjoyed that. We'll have some more Patreon stuff coming out too. Again, we got a new Patreon, so thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, little by little, you know, we're we're growing not a lot, but we're growing. And then we've got a couple write ups that we were working on. We'll have those out. Uh, and again, they're a little bit of this, a little bit of that, different topics. And actually, a couple of more topics from Patreon members. And I'm working on uh, some research write up. So you know, hopefully, we'll kind of get back to you guys a little bit. But uh, we're we're looking good, I think. For the most part, for, for content. And uh, if you have anything that you guys want to write in, talk about, whatever have you, you can write us at strangeunclesatgmail.com. You can call us at 801 252
0: 69 Where's the damn soundboard Shane? 45, 45. Yeah. I don't have that shit. I've been preoccupied for sure. Anywho. I'll thanks. definitely have that next
3: season. Yeah, for back, sure. Pack your
5: bags. We're going on a guilt trip with John. Baby. Here we go. You know,
3: there are certain things you can count on Shane for, and there are certain things you cannot count on Shane yeah, for. Yeah. 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 Uh, fair Dolphin the soundboard <laughs> is fucking one of them. Apparently, yeah, Absolutely.
5: Fair. Fair fucking enough. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, where are we on socials, Joss? Now that you're back, and you know oh, you sound oh, better. You
3: mean where? Where am I letting us down? Oh yes, I am letting us. Did <laughs> you say that to at, your face? Uh, Strange Uncle's podcast on <laughs> fucking Instagram and Facebook. Uh, there was a recent update. I don't know if the posts get pushed to Facebook anymore, but I don't know. I don't. I'm not touching that toxic site, so whatever. <laughs> um, and then also at Strange Uncles on Twitter. Uh, we do have a fucking YouTube channel. Um, I'm thinking about putting some stuff up on there just cause I got to clear out this computer. I need to get uh, oh, cool an upgrade here pretty soon. So I'm going to make sure that I don't leave any, any sweet sweetness on this machine. Please, maybe. please do. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that's about it for socials.
5: Cool. Well, I you don't, don't have anything else. Old. My cup runneth over, so if you guys are good, um I guess close the gates.
0: Bam.